Welcome. I'm Maria White, professional organizer, owner of Enough With The Stuff, and host of this podcast, Organize Your Stuff. I am thrilled you're joining me for a listen today. I will share tips on getting organized in all areas of your life, so stay tuned for simple tips or interviews with industry experts sharing their unique methods and insights for getting your home and life organized once and for all. This podcast will provide support, encouragement, and motivation along the way. I hope while you are listening, the topic will resonate and inspire you to organize your stuff. Welcome everyone to the next episode of Organize Your Stuff. Today's guest is Shannon Kill, and this is going to be a great topic to talk about. It's something I haven't broached yet, specifically because it is not really my specialty. It is not something I'm confident in whatsoever, and it has to do with money. (laughs) So... (laughs) Money is a scary thing for me, and I'm sure it is for a lot of others. Um, We aren't all blessed with Shannon's skill set for dealing with money and numbers. So I can't wait to jump in and and talk about this topic. So welcome, Shannon. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So I'm just going to read real quick your intro, and then we're going to jump right in. So Shannon is a private personal finance coach whose mission is to empower young professionals to take control of their finances and achieve true freedom by teaching them how to make their money work for them in the most effective way possible for their individual situation. Yeah, that's a big one. Okay. That's that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. This topic is, oh yeah, really needed for a lot of people. I think many, many people are afraid to look at their numbers, Mm -hmm. afraid to even know what the true numbers are. So this topic is just really, I'm excited to to go over this because like I said at the intro, I am not really good with numbers or the money or financing or budgeting. And I know we're going to jump in and talk about all of this. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I think a lot of people just automatically think, you know, I'm not good with money. That's not something that comes naturally to me. And so it seems like a really um, overwhelming mountain to climb, right? Like when you're, you're taking a look at your financial situation, like you said, a lot of times you just don't even want to look at it at all because it's just so much and it's not something Mm -hmm. that, um, that just comes naturally to you. But one thing that I tell people all the time is you don't have to be quote unquote good with money in order to manage your finances effectively. Um, my biggest thing is trying to make things as easy and as simple for people as possible so that it doesn't feel so overwhelming and so that anybody can do it, whether you're quote unquote good with money or not. (laughs) Right. And I, you know, want to say that with money, when it comes to myself, I'm really good at, um, you know, not overspending and I pay my credit cards every month completely Mm -hmm. and all of that stuff. It's really for me, the whole Looking at the numbers, the big picture, and just kind of understanding the the bookkeeping side of things. And mm-hmm. that's where I get very intimidated. And, you know, back in the day when people actually carried around checkbooks with them, you know, uh, I know the younger crowd doesn't know what that is, but <laughs> checkbooks. And you would write your check and then you would log it into your little, uh, little booklet there. And... Um, I was really good about doing that, but Mm -hmm. I swear at the end of every month when I would try and tally everything up, I was always off. (laughs) I don't know what Mm -hmm. happened. And so I think from the beginning of time when I had to start dealing with my own financials and looking 
at the totals and where my money went and how much is coming in. It's just, I don't know, it never balanced out. Mm -hmm. And so from that point on, I think I just, I avoided it. I hated it. When I got married, I passed, you know, that responsibility on. (laughs) And I became one of those women who absolutely knows nothing about the financial side of that marriage. So yeah, yeah. so I feel like that's a big negative thing for a lot of women. And and this is a scary thing to talk about. So I definitely have at it. Let's, let's jump in here and talk about this. Well, so no, I actually like something that you said just now about like, you know, you made the decision to turn that over to your husband. I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing. Um, That's actually kind of exactly how it is in our marriage. Um, It's just that I happen to be the female in the situation and I'm the one who's better with money. So we actually made that decision very early on to play to our strengths. You know, we are a unit in this. We're a team. So there are certain things that I'm not super comfortable with that he's really good at. And that's his thing, you know, and I trust him because it's a partnership. And so same thing with money that comes naturally to me and I'm really passionate about it and I love doing it. And so that's my responsibility in our family unit. So I think it's really important to play to your strengths in a relationship type setting. So if you're in a serious relationship or in a marriage or in a a serious partnership, I think it's okay to, you know, divvy out responsibility and say, this isn't something that is that sparks joy for me, but if it does for you, then, you know, you have that. There has to be that trust there. So I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing. Um, I actually am coaching a couple of couples right now. And um, that was one thing that they struggled with in the beginning was, you know, I, I don't necessarily, in this case, it's it's the wife who does most of the financials and the husband feels very left out of that. He doesn't necessarily want to do it, but he wants to understand what's going on. And so that's kind of my mm-hmm. approach with couples is that, you know, it's okay for one of you to have the bulk of that responsibility so long as both of you understand what's happening. So I think that's right. the, that's the big key there. And maybe that's what you were saying is that, you know, you just have turned it over and you feel like, oh, I don't really know what's going on at all ever here. <laughs> yeah. And if yeah. that's the case, then yeah, I think you can, uh, you can learn to, uh, that's how my system is set up at least. And, and I think that that's really important is having a system set up where it's easily accessible to both of you, um, but where it really only requires one person to to really navigate right. it most of the time. Right, right. And that that's pretty much how we were. I mean, he would communicate with me about our budget and all that good stuff. And of course, with my own business, I had to do the books for that. Mm-hmm. But again, it was always like, why isn't this adding up? Why isn't this adding up? And so I would take it to him and he would figure it out. And and so I always felt like a failure <laughs> every, wow. every month and every quarter and just trying to figure it all out. So I totally get overwhelmed by this whole thing when it doesn't add up and the things don't work out or, mm-hmm. and I don't see what, where something's missing, you know, in that spreadsheet, like why, why, why are why is this not adding up? I downloaded everything, but oh, look, something didn't download. So mm-hmm. there it is. And uh, so I don't have a lot of patience for it because for me, it's always been um, an issue with having things work the way they're supposed to with numbers, right? Mm-hmm. It's black and white. Things are supposed to add up to, you know, 
and, and balance and, and they never did for me. So I get really frustrated and patient with it. Yeah. So is that something that you are coaching people with to just get more comfortable with how to do the budget and how to look at the numbers and make sure that you're um, getting everything to balance correctly and, and working through that. Absolutely. So um, our process actually starts much in the same way that it would if you were, um, I'll go ahead and play to this because this is your specialty, but um, in the same way that when you're trying to get your house organized, um, when you're trying to organize your finances, it's, uh, I do what is called a brain dump <laughs> or the, mm. I like to call a brain dump in our like coaching circle. Um, so it's essentially just taking everything out and putting it all in front of you and then deciding, you know, what stays and what goes. So in the same way as when you're organizing your house or you're decluttering, you know, you kind of, and, and maybe you do this a little bit differently, but for me, a lot of times it's, you put everything in a pile and then you sort out that pile. Um, Mm -hmm. and so it's the same way with your finances. You kind of start with this big, scary picture and uh, the best way for me that I've found to keep things just simple and organized is getting rid of all of the stuff that you don't need in your budget um, and just making sure that everything that is there is something that serves you and that serves your family. So when you're starting from that place, then month to month, it tends to be a lot easier to manage your finances because there's just not as much extra stuff there. So there's a lot less of a chance of stuff falling through the cracks. Um, or things coming up that you weren't expecting to be there because you've already got everything sorted out into into your little bins. You know what I mean? If you're right, if you're thinking right. of it um, from an organization standpoint, you know, in our home we we live in a very small space by design. It's a 900 square foot loft, and mm-hmm. so we have children as well. So it's especially important that everything that we have has a purpose and a place. And uh, we have to we have to be very intentional about where our things live. And so everything has a space and we have to make sure that those things stay in their space. You know, if we're not using them, they go back to their space. And so in the same way with Mm -hmm. your finances, you want to make sure that all of your stuff has its designated home and that it stays where it's supposed to. Does that make sense? Right. Yes. Right. And. Definitely knowing what's there, right? Just mm-hmm. to see it all. And like you said, to um, purge what is no longer serving you mm-hmm. and have that foundation of the essentials. Like we have our, our rent or the mortgage and, you know, all the utilities and anything else that's crucial, Absolutely. car payments, all that good stuff. And that's kind of in your big bucket of like, these are absolutes. Mm-hmm. And then the rest is the fluff and the <laughs> and the, the extraneous stuff that maybe you don't need. So to start weeding out there and reducing the clutter in that kind of uh, section of your budget. Totally. Yeah. And, and another thing that I like to stress with my clients too is, you know, having a budget doesn't mean cutting out all of the fun stuff. It doesn't mean, you know, right. uh, taking out dinner dates or, you know, stopping to get coffee. Mm -hmm. It just means that you're accounting for those things ahead of time instead of going back afterwards and saying, oh, no, where did I overspend? You know, if you can say, Mm -hmm. "Uh, I probably shouldn't spend money on coffee, but I know that I'm going to and that's something that I'm going to work on, then go ahead and put it in your budget so that it doesn't surprise you later. 
Um, mm -hmm. So for, for each of my one-on-one -on -one clients, we go through and we create a budget that is specific to them and to their needs and to what their lifestyle actually looks like. And the best way to do that is to go back through your past spending. So I mm -hmm. always suggest if it's somebody, because um, I do I do have a service where I do this for people, but then I also have some trainings where I teach people how to do it for themselves. And that's ultimately my goal. I always want to empower people to, to be able to do this stuff themselves. Um, so if it's something where they're going to be doing it themselves, I recommend them go through at least the last three months of their spending and just kind of pick apart what those habits look like. And if they decide in that process, like, oh, man, I didn't realize I was spending so much money on fast food and they want to try to cut that down, that's great. Mm -hmm. But I don't want them to cut it down so much that they're setting themselves up for failure. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, definitely. You can't, you know, it's just like when you're on a diet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if you take everything that's delicious out of your diet yeah. in terms of a dessert or a treat of some kind and, and go totally cold turkey, and then you're like, okay, I'm done with the diet. I've lost the weight. I've reached my goal of my weight or, or just better health or whatever your goal mm -hmm. is. And then you just blow it by overindulging in that dessert you deprived yourself of. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to get to the point where you feel deprived, but or, you need to definitely live in your budget, right? Yeah, so. or worse, you know, the other side of that is, you know, you could potentially reach your goal by, you know, depriving yourself of all the good things, or you could just completely set yourself up for failure, which is what happens more times than not, because we're humans, mm -hmm. you know, we're driven mm -hmm. by, um, desire and happiness and, and joy. And so if we don't have any of those things, our nature is to seek them out. And so if you don't have a place for that already set up, then you're, you're just going to blow it. You know, you're going to blow your budget. Right. And I, I don't ever want to set any of my people up for failure. So I, I teach people in a way that is realistic for their, situation. And that's not to say that, you know, we don't cut certain things out because we absolutely do. But most of my clients come to that on their own. You know, it's not me saying, hey, maybe you should cut out this. It's usually them going through it and saying, wow, that was really eye-opening. I had no idea I was spending this amount on this thing. And they mm -hmm. make that decision to make that change. So a lot right. of times, you know, like you said, you don't want to look at it at all. And so uh, the biggest um, breakthroughs that we have are people just looking at their spending habits and saying, oh, wow, I, I didn't know because I didn't want to look at it. Right. Yeah. And I'm sure it's a big eye opener for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think so many of us are living our lives without thinking about what we're doing. We're not intentional. Mm -hmm. So everything we do is just, that's our habit. That's our routine. And so we just, you know, go to target and we buy whatever we see because that's what we've always done. Mm -hmm. And so you, like you said, have to look at the budget, like, Oh my God, I go to target like twice a week and <laughs> I'm spending, what? you know, and it's just so easy when you don't know the reality mm -hmm. of what, what that looks like. So yeah, changing the habits, but seeing that big picture of what's coming in with the money and what's going out. And then, whoa, yes, I, I, mean, I do need to change my routines and habits a little That's bit. That's right. Yeah. It's uh, one thing, and I don't know how many of your listeners are going to have kids, but 
that's a huge part of um, my clientele and it works well for me because I have kids. And so a big part of my routine is, you know, teaching my little ones who are only four and eight, teaching them about um, positive spending habits. I don't like to say good or bad, but, you know, more positive spending habits. So our children both earn an allowance each week. And so um, they, they have their banks. And they know how much money they have at any particular time. And they set aside a certain amount of money to, to save and to donate each week. And then what's left over after that is their spending money. And so right now, obviously, they don't have any expenses. But one, one practice that has been, I think, really important for our daughter especially is, you know, she'll have something in mind that she wants to buy. And so we'll, we'll go to the store with that in mind but we don't take all of her money inside. So Mm -hmm. we know ahead of time, here is this thing that we want. This is how much it's going to cost. And so we're only going to bring that amount of money inside with us so that we're not Mm -hmm. tempted to spend more money than that. So let's say that she has $30 and she wants to buy a toy that is $7. We'll bring in 10 and that's it. That's all of the money. And so that teaches her, you know, she knows in the back of her head, oh, I have more money than this, but I'm not going to spend it because this is all of the money that I have with me. So in the same respect mm-hmm. to, to our budgets as adults, if you have certain things set aside for certain activities or certain expenses, then you know this is the amount that's budgeted in for that. And it teaches you not to overspend in that way. It's, you know, I know I have more money than this that I could access if I needed to, but I'm not going to because this is what's budgeted in. And it teaches you to be more intentional and more slow in your decision making. Because I think, you know, impulse buying is a very easy thing to do when you know that all of your money is so readily accessible to you. Um, so if you can take that step back and, and it's a little less accessible for you, then you can take that time to really think about, is this something that I need or is this something that's going to bring me joy past this initial moment of, oh, this right. is something I want. Right. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, I recommend my clients who are shoppers. I'm like, you know, if you see something, you know, just Take note of it. Mm-hmm. Do not buy it in the moment and then go home. And after two or three days, you know, you've thought about okay. it and you realize, oh, you know, you might not need it. You'll realize that, you know what, I have something just like it or that's just as good or, or I just like it was beautiful, but I don't really need it. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's there's so many things that, you know, the shiny objects as you especially Target and stores like that. They, I mean, they're brilliant on marketing (laughs) and, and having, having those pretty things that you just, you know, especially those dangerous dollar bins and it's like, Oh, it's only a dollar. Oh, it's only $5. (laughs) And, you know, before you know it, you have $25 worth of crap in your shopping cart and you had no intention of buying that stuff when you first got to the store. I came here from milk. How did I end up with throw pillows? Exactly. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, it is good to, um, just not do the impulse shop if you can to just like start a new habit of like, Oh, I see it. I see it. I'm going to go home. (laughs) I'm here for this. I'm going to only get that. And, you know, I think what you do with your, with your daughter and 
we were really good about that with our kids too, is that, you know, they would want something and we're like, okay, save your money mm -hmm. for it because we're not buying all of this, you know, everything you want, you get so much for your birthdays and Christmas. Mm -hmm. and, and so, you know, how many toys do they need? But when they have to actually spend their own money on that thing they wanted so badly for us to buy, mm -hmm. when it comes to them having to fork out the money, all of a sudden, oh, it really wasn't something I desperately That's wanted, right. <laughs> you know, that happens so many times with our children over the years. They really, really, really wanted something and we're like, okay, save up. And then when it came time to actually take their money to the store to go buy that thing, it really wasn't, you know, either it was like the trend was over, mm -hmm. you know, and it wasn't, it wasn't that big of a deal anymore. And, uh, you know, they got to play with their friends, whatever it was. And I can think of so many different little trends that went through elementary school years mm -hmm. but um you know and so they wound up not having those toys in the end because they didn't want to spend their money on them and they'd rather um and especially with today's technology you know they'd rather have the more expensive tech toy and, and all of those toys were things that uh we were like we are not yeah <laughs> you want those because they're so expensive and if you just hand them these 200 dollar game boys or whatever all the toys the nintendos um you know, they're not going to take good care of them, but man, oh man, if they have to save up for a year or two to get the, the money mm -hmm. for it, they will take such good care of those That's items right. and they will not let anybody else touch well, them. <laughs> and I think that you know, there's an important note for adults with that as well, that I think a lot of times we, we disconnect our money and our spending from the process of um, earning that money. Mm -hmm. And so one thing yeah. that this is more of like a mindset challenge that I give some of my clients, but if you think of your money in terms of what you had to do in order to earn it and you know how much time it took you to earn that money, um, you'll be a lot more intentional about how you spend it. So, you yeah. know, an example, if you, um, you go and get your nails done once every week or so, and that costs you $50, depending on how much money you earn per hour or per week, if you, if you mm -hmm. can relate those two things, that may not seem as, as worth it to you as it did before. Um, so I think just, just keeping an open connection there with your money about, you know, in terms of how you earned that money, it, it makes you be just a lot more intentional about how you spend it. So yeah. another really good mindset exercise is, you know, have goals set in mind, have things. And this goes back to, you know, working with your kids as well. Think about something that you really want. That's a big goal for you that you can work toward. That's going to take you a while to get there. And then anytime you think of impulse buying, think about mm -hmm. what that could mean for that goal. So if it's going on a trip to Italy, you probably mm -hmm. are going to do tons of research on that and you're going to obsess over it a little bit and you know how much the food is going to cost and you know how much a bike ride is going to cost. And so mm -hmm. when you think about your current spending in relation to what that same amount of money could do for you on your trip to Italy, mm -hmm. then, it, you know, that $20 t-shirt that you're about to buy that you don't need because you have eight others, <laughs> if that's going yeah. to prevent you from taking a $20 bike ride in Italy, 
then it doesn't seem quite so important. You know what I mean? So keep yeah. your goals in mind Definitely. and think about what it takes for you to earn that money. And, and maybe it hurts a little more to spend it. Do you know what I mean? Not that mm-hmm. I want my oh, clients to be in pain at all, but you know, there is a, <laughs> well, sometimes they need, they need the reality check, right? And yeah, some people absolutely do. Yeah. And for me, um, I, I tend not to treat myself as well as I treat other people. And so for me, sometimes it takes relating it back to someone else or what that money could do to someone else. Mm -hmm. Or in my case, I stayed home for a couple of years with our kids and I wasn't, um, I wasn't working. I wasn't bringing in any income. So that Mm -hmm. helped me not to impulse buy because I would always think how many hours away from home is my husband spending in order for me to buy this thing? And that was important to me. So whatever that looks like in your personal situation, you know, if you are making $10 an hour or $20 an hour, how much time are you Mm -hmm. spending away from your kids or from activities that you really enjoy while you're at work? Do you know what I mean? How much less could we work in order to provide ourselves with the things that really matter? And do we take those things for granted? All right. Those are brilliant mind shift um, processes. I really think um, tying it to your work hours Mm -hmm. to purchase something is really brilliant because, you know, our society is filled with the whole consumeristic attitude and a lot of our goods are very Mm -hmm. cheap. So therefore people do not really think about, oh, it's just, you know, $10. It's just $20. And they end up with all this junk stuff rather than like, let me, instead of buying, you know, 10 cheap items, let me save and work for something that's a little better quality Mm -hmm. that will actually last. And, um, you know, I think it's all tied together, isn't it? That whole mindset and um, your habits Mm -hmm. and, and just looking at the whole picture of what's coming in and going out. So yeah, yeah, don't, don't get me started on that topic. I'm a minimalist, if you didn't know. (laughs) So uh, I actually, um, I recently did another podcast interview about how um, money relates to minimalism in practice. So it's very Mm -hmm. similar to what you just said. Um, And we as a family try to be very intentional about it just just because of our lifestyle. So that very heavily ties into our finances. But I really think Mm -hmm. that, you know, minimalists are not, um, I I think everybody could stand to be a little more intentional with their spending, um, just just to improve your quality of life overall, you know, because when you don't have all of this extra stuff, then you don't have to spend the money on it, and then you don't have to work as hard to earn the money, and then you Mm -hmm. get to spend more time on the stuff that truly brings you joy. Yeah, you have more time in your life because you aren't working as hard to constantly be getting the the next best thing, right? Or, um, you know, just the whole keeping up with the stuff Mm -hmm. in your house when you have so much. It's you spend your weekend cleaning, right? Because you have so much to clean. Ugh, I just I I've shared a lot on on this podcast that you know I moved from a big house to my 740 square foot apartment, (laughs) and I'm very intentional about what I bring in because it is. A small space. I love it, though. 
I want to go smaller someday. I want to get a tiny house. Everyone yeah, knows that. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So, therefore, you know, you're in the habit of like, I cannot bring too much into this space. It'll feel too cluttered and uh, I'll just mm-hmm. go crazy. I need it to look pretty. So, I only have what I love, what I mm-hmm. use, and, you know, really what. What do I want to spend on everything, too? That's a big part of it. (laughs) So, um, well, this has been a great conversation. I just, I really love what you do to help people get a handle on their uh, budget, but their lifestyle, you know, and really get that reality check in place early on before they get themselves into debt or, you know, on the flip side is, okay, we're already in a little debt. Let's, let's get a handle on this and get it together. So it's a great service you provide. Thank you. Yeah. I, it's, it's always been very important to me. And unfortunately there, there's a a crazy debt crisis in this country. And so I'm very passionate. I'm very passionate about, um, about teaching our youth, especially, um, about how to avoid those situations. And like you said, if you're already in that situation, then there is, there's hope, you know, a lot of my clients come to me because they are in debt. Um, and, and we come up with a plan, you know, we have an actual real roadmap and, and we Mm -hmm. make progress and we get out of it and it's a really beautiful process to watch. So, um, yeah, yeah, always, awesome. you always want to avoid it if you can, but if, you know, you didn't have that, if you didn't have those resources and that knowledge at the time, then let's fix it mm-hmm. now. You know, you can't control, you can't yeah. control the past. It's done. Let's, let's move forward. Let's figure out how to, mm-hmm. to get you to a better place and to help you reach your goals. Yeah. And live a better life, you know, without the stress, without that constant stress. So uh, for the listeners, you do have a free offer at your website. They can download a free debt payoff worksheet by subscribing. So that's wonderful. I think I might go check that out. I don't have debt, but I just want to look at your budget. Like it's a budget planner, I'm sure of some kind. So I'd love to look at that and be familiar with it so I can uh, share that with others. Um, and you also mentioned that you have free resources available in your Millennial Dent Eraser community. Is that a Facebook It community? is. So the Millennial Dent Eraser community is a Facebook group. Um, it's free to join. Mm-hmm. I do ask that if you join, you just answer a couple of questions. Um, I always like to make sure that mm-hmm. the content we're providing is relevant to everybody in the group. Um, so yeah, it's free to join. It's a, it's a tight knit community. We're all there just to kind of cheer each other on and share wins and work each other through hiccups. And, um, there is a unit mm-hmm. section, like you said, that has a lot of my free trainings in there. Um, cause I recognize not everybody is in a place to work with a financial coach one-on-one. So I do provide a lot of free resources within the group. Oh. That's terrific. Oh, and I, I definitely think that the community, that support and encouragement, mm-hmm. you know, so that people who are a little further along in the process can really let others know, like, you can do Absolutely. it, you can do it, it's okay, exactly it you'll is. get through yeah. this. Yeah, community is important for a lot of these types of stressful situations, whether it's organizing your stuff or yeah. your money. So that's great. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Shannon, for your time. This was a really great episode. I love the information you shared, and I really hope you get a lot of people jumping over to your website to take a look at that worksheet that you're offering and join that Facebook community. I think that's wonderful Absolutely. that you're Absolutely, yeah. I would love to have some of your listeners. I appreciate you so much for giving me the opportunity to talk to you guys today. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You do the same. 
After listening to this podcast today, I hope you have some useful takeaways and feel super motivated to get organized. But maybe you're at a loss with how to start or where to go next in your organizing journey. Wouldn't it be amazing to have me right there to guide you through the process when you're losing motivation or feeling stuck with what to do next? I may not live near you, so through the wonders of our modern technology, I can be right by your side. Virtually, of course. You heard me. I offer virtual organizing. Reach out to me through my website linked below and we could schedule your first session today. Also, don't forget to reach out to me on social media with comments about an episode or a topic you would like covered in a future podcast. Links are below in the show notes. Go get your organizing on.